Hello, everyone. Welcome to Song Chat, brought to you by Totino's Pizza Rolls and Carl's Jr. This week, we're going to be taking a look at a very specific Stark list, starring everyone's favorite non-combat character who has really not appeared anywhere in the books, aside from name, Howlin' Reed. So the thing I really like about Howlin' Reed is that he plays differently than most any other Stark commander. Uh, the Starks are a very aggressive, you know, charge-oriented faction that are going to get stronger as they take damage. And while I have a respect for that playstyle, it's not exactly my overall favorite. I think it's no surprise to anyone at this point that I uh, like the neutrals because I really like having an open toolbox uh, of problem-solving capabilities. But I do have a respect for, you know, the ability to just go out there, kill stuff, and make it dead. The thing about playing Howlin' Reed is that he is going to play actually much more like a Lannister than he is a Stark, because he is going to focus on a lot of debuffs and kind of cerebral manipulation of your enemy, rather than just the raw combat aspects that a lot of the other Stark commanders are going to bring to the table. And when you combine that with the unit availability that the Starks have, you're going to have this nice little mishmash of I'm able to debuff you, cause you damage outside of combat, but meanwhile, my table presence with my combat units is also really scary. Now, for this list that we're going to be talking about today, I did want to have a focus on the Kranigman trackers that are going to be coming out soon. They're going to be one of the new uh, star units for the Starks, and they're going to trigger all of Howland Reed's tactics cards. And you'll see that probably a lot of people have not been running Howland Reed because his cards do gain extra benefits if your enemy is near a Kranigman unit, and there haven't been any available to trigger that keyword. The thing is, even if you ignore that secondary effect of his tactics cards, they're really powerful and really scary. So just adding in this extra little layer of Kranigman to get the quote-unquote full effect of his cards is really going to, you know, make him just a powerhouse here. And the fact that the Kranigman trackers are very cheap means that you've got a lot of list-building options to play around here. So what I've crafted here today is a list focusing on the Kranigman trackers, and the idea is you're running them and Tully Sworn Shields, and basically locking down enemies with those Tully Sworn Shields, getting them stuck in combat, and then you are taking your Kranigman, running around the flanks, shooting them, and basically just being a general harassment. This list also runs three non-combat characters, because you're getting the added benefit of Howland Reed being free, so you're going to have a lot of control aspects, which is again a new experience for Stark players. Let's give a general rundown of the list, and then we'll talk about some of the choices and options and general strategies and tactics for it. Okay, so the list is as follows. It is a unit of Kranigman Trackers. It is a second unit of Kranigman Trackers. It is a third unit of Kranigman Trackers. None of these have attachments. It is a one unit of House Tully Sworn Shields with Brendan Tully, the Unyielding Knight, a second unit of House Tully Sworn Shields with Brienne, the Maid of Tarth, and then three non-combat characters in the form of Howland Reed, Sansa Stark, and Caitlin Stark. So the first thing you'll see about this list is that it's a little samey in the fact that you're running two basic units, okay? You're running three Kranigmans and two House Tully Sworn Shields. Granted, the Sworn Shields do have slightly different roles in the army, but overall this list is very straightforward to play as far as your combat units go. You have two units of some of the most defensible guys in the game, both of them with stalwart attachments who are giving them plus two to their morale tests. So these guys are demanded to go up, lock something down in combat, and then just make it so they never leave that combat. Meanwhile, you have three units of Kranigman trackers who are just moving around the flanks, shooting, harassing, and just whittling away opponents without really much fear of shooting into combat because your units that are engaged, your Tully Sword Shields, are basically almost immune to morale tests. With, you know, they're sitting there stacking their... Uh, you know, their, their stalwart bonuses there. So they're going to have effectively a 4+. The Kranigmen themselves, their defensive stats are a 6+, and a 7+, on the morale. So 
they have morale issues, but the thing is you're running three full units of them. So this is really just, okay, you're going to hit one of the units and whittle it down a bit. Okay, sure, I've got two more. These are five-point units, so I really don't care too much what happens with them. Meanwhile, if you look on the tactics board side of things, you have three non-combat characters to take control of the board with. Uh, one that debuffs the enemy, one that buffs your own guys, and Sansa is by far one of my favorites. Um, NCUs in the game because you can just clutch fetch whatever tactics card you need at any point and of Howland Reed's card specifically that can really be some game changing plays that happen because you can get the right debuff at just the right time uh, so before we get too much into it, let's look at Howland Reed, his tactics cards, and actually what he does. So Howland Reed, as a non-combat character, has the ability Hunter's Guile, which is an influence effect, and when he influences a unit, they're going to suffer minus one to hit. This is just universally useful, as you know, you're taking away you know a 16% chance to, for your opponent to actually hit you with every one of their dice. If you take something that has a four plus save, you're raising this to a five plus. That's dropping there to hit to you know five or six, 33% of the time. That's fantastic. You're taking those elite units, making them normal. I mean, this is just a generally a super useful ability and especially because one of your overall tactics here is that you want to lock those units down in combat with Tully Sworn Shields. Tully Sworn Shields are already going to be ignoring D3 hits anytime they're attacked so you're lowering the opponent's chance to actually hit you. You're lowering the amount of hits that actually go through to you once they uh, actually connect and then you have a 3 plus defense on top of that. Combine that with your stalwart uh, giving your morale save a 4 plus you know, these units are not going to go away without some seriously, uh, some serious dedicated resources on your opponent. And that's the entire purpose of having those there. But we'll get to that when we talk about the specific units. Howland Reed brings to the table his three specific tactics cards as well. The Threat Unseen, which is when a damaged unit, uh, enemy unit activates, that unit must make a panic test and suffers minus one per destroyed rank. Already, that's a nasty little effect, as I'm sure people are aware of, you know, uh, when they get hit by Cersei or when they're banging their heads against Lannister Supremacy. It also has the added benefit of, if you're within long range of a Kranig unit, they also become panicked. So it means they're suffering a panic test with potentially up to a minus two and a panic token on them. So this is just one of those really nice things, a way of mitigating you know, threats here as well, You know, the threat unseen go figure. Uh, this is going to give you a means to hit those psychological aspects of the enemy. If you're playing against Lannisters, then so say they've got Lannister Guardsmen. They're in combat with your guys. Okay. You're going to hit them, and most likely they're going to have a guard captain, because hell, that's everyone's favorite six points when it comes to Lancers. Okay, you're going to ping it. If you damage them enough, they're going to you know, want to use that at any cost order to save themselves that panic test. And now they're exposed, and now they're vulnerable. Boom, threat unseen. They're going to suffer another panic test here. And the one thing I really have to keep stressing with people, since I keep seeing people forgetting about this, please remember at any cost is an order. A unit can use it once per round. They can't use it for every single panic test they make. That's why I keep advocating the strategy of hit them with two panic tests, because that usually takes away the issue. And people seem to forget that and then complain that, you know, Lannister guards plus a guard captain are drastically overpowered. Guys, play by the rules. Come on. Um, but this is just a nice one of those cards that helps you get away, uh, bypass that threat as well. Next one they have is Krennic Traps. This is when an enemy unit activates. So the enemy suffers minus two to their um, uh, speed, this activation. And if they're within long range of a Kranigman unit, they also become weakened. Frankly, the weakened on that part is secondary. But again, you're talking about locking them into combat with your Tully Sworn Shields and potentially stacking a negative one and then your D3 hits on here. So if you make them weakened past that, they're basically not going to damage you that turn. 
but really the big part of this card is reducing down their speed. And this card is absolutely just crippling against uh, units like cavalry units, who are really going to be banking on having a good maneuverability to get across the board. Well, here, you know, okay, your average heavy cavalry here has a speed of five. You're going to reduce this down to a three. They're going to activate the other cavalry move. They're going to move three inches, and then they're going to be able to, you know, march three more inches. Congrats. You, you're topping out at the standard, you know, mobility of a basic infantry unit. If you march, okay, you can clear nine inches. That's still super slow. If you hit a basic infantry unit with this, you can almost just completely mitigate them from doing really anything that round. And because a lot of this game is capturing and scoring objectives, this is really going to hurt them uh, in that regard. So this one here is probably my favorite card of his, just from when you understand how he plays and your overall strategy and tactics. This is, I think, can be the most useful one for you. The final card he has is Bog Devil Ambush. When enemy combat unit activates, that enemy suffers D3 plus 2 automatic hits. If they're within long range of a Kratingman unit, they suffer minus 1 to defense saves for these hits. So you're dealing anywhere between, you know, 3 to 5 little kind of uh, plink damage with this. Uh, this one is actually one that having a Kranigman unit nearby really does impact things because that minus one to defense saves is fairly important, okay? And, you know, it's not a lot of damage, but it's just enough to, you know, potentially lose a rank to potentially cause some problems. And frankly, it's one of the rare sources uh, in the game, much less Starks, of just dealing direct damage. Now, again, pointing out these are hits, not wounds, so they are getting their defense saves, hence why that second part is so important. But when you look at your average defense save being a 4+, you're moving that to a 5+, in this situation, so they're only saving 33% of the time. I mean, this is going to cause a ton of damage? No. But it still can matter. And this is a really good card if you're targeting, like, um, solo units. Like, for example, Direwolves are probably the perfect target for something like this. Because, yeah, they've got a 3-plus save, but you're going to reduce that down to a 4-plus. They only have two wounds, so that's going to, you know, potentially take them down. So this card right here is really useful against solo units specifically. They're not a huge amount of those in the game just yet, but that's definitely a good target. Um, this is, side note, uh, Giants are probably going to be the next, like, big solo unit that people are going to deal with, and this card is not one that you really want to run against them. Just because your, <clears throat> your odds here, you're going to cause maybe one wound because of their... Um, giant special rule. So there are other targets. Although on the conversionally on the other side, if you use this against just your generic free folk uh, raiders or trappers, they're going to be saving on six plus. So that's almost like straight three, uh, straight free damage. But so there you go. There's a look at his uh, tactics cards. And then he himself has his influence effect that we talked about being a minus one to hit. So combining all this, you have a really big uh, ability to just debuff select units. And that's going to help you a lot with your threat mitigation uh, across various armies. So, you know, with Lannisters, Lannister guards are a pain in the ass for anyone to deal with. You have tons of ways to get around their panic shenanigans. You have the ability to just completely, you know, hurt their defenses here. Howland Reed is going to make this so they deal no damage, um, which they already kind of don't on the attack, but this is going to make it even harder for them. Against Night's Watch with their very elite and very small number of units, Howland can be an absolutely just nightmare for them to deal with because first off you're spamming a bunch of Kranig men in this unit they're not going to be able to chase after all of them you've got howland reed to reduce their elite stats down to average or their average stats down to even worse you have Kranig traps to reduce their movement down you have just a ton of different options to really hurt them i think howland is probably going to be one of the better commanders to uh, run into your dual list attachments um if you're playing in a tournament that you think is going to have a bunch of heavy knights watch against free folk um just because of the swarm aspect, this list is going to have a probably a bit of a tougher matchup because giants are a bit of a problem 
just in general for what you have here. There, you're really going to have to use your tactics board manipulation and your mobility to kind of, uh, you know, do what you can. But this this list would probably suffer the most against free folk. I'm not going to say it's going to be bad against them, but it's definitely going to be a fight because you're going to have to play the numbers game, and your guys are not that super resilient on here. I mean, your sworn shields are, but they're going to get bogged down. Uh, mirror match against Starks. This list is actually going to be quite neat to play with, just because this, you know, again, Starks are a very highly aggressive. Um, charge-based army, and you're basically flipping that tactic on its head. So you're going to have more of a control aspect versus the standard Stark list. So this is going to create a very interesting game if you play against them in the mirror match, and it's going to come down to, of course, skill. But I really feel that the combination of strategy and tactics here, you have more options available to how you're going to approach each uh, threat and target than your standard Stark list will. So let's get into the specifics of the units that are in this army and why exactly we're taking them and why we have the attachments here. Um, so the three units of Kranigman trackers we're keeping cheap. Frankly, you could add a Kranigman warden to them to let them reroll. But here I want to invest those points into either more NCUs or attachments for the Tully Sworn Shields. Because the thing about this army is that the Sworn Shields have to stay alive. If that center breaks, if your anvil just completely gets shattered, this list is going to have some problems because the Kranigman on their own individually cannot really deal with a lot of threats. They're really reliant on those Sworn Shields to get in there, bunker down, and just glue to an enemy. So while we're running Kranigman units, and Kranigman is the theme of this list, the heart of it are going to be those Tully Sworn Shields. And so the two units we have of them, we have one unit of Tully Sworn Shields that has Brendan Tully in there. Now we added him in there because he's a nice two-point attachment, gives you Stalwart, so it gives you a plus two to your morale test. He also gives you the order hold the line, which is when the unit begins to turn engaged, until the end of the turn, their melee attacks get plus one to hit and roll plus two dice. So the thing about the Tully Sworn Shields is that their stats are very elite across like their attack, their defense, their morale, the number of dice they roll, but they don't really have anything special going for them. They're To kill anything, they're really just throwing a bulk number of dice and outlasting the enemy. Hold the line is going to make it so they're rolling upwards of 9 dice and hitting on a 2+, plus. and that's where your bulk just damage is going to come in. Even at second rank, they're still throwing eight dice. I mean, the worst these guys are going to get is throwing six dice at a two plus. And frankly, with a three plus defense and a four plus effective morale, blocking D3 hits every time, once these guys get in combat, they're going to be incredibly hard to take down. And that's what we want. Because we're only running two units of these guys, we want these units to just be as hard as they can to, be, to take down and get rid of. The second unit we have is running Brienne, the Maid of Tarth, and she's in there as well because she brings Stalwart to the table. She has that Knightly Vow ability, which is going to give you plus two dice and plus one to hit against a very specific enemy, and so that's going to be effectively kind of act like hold the line. So you see that kind of theme here is we're just trying to get the best to hit and the most dice that we can. Another option that you could be running here is instead of Brienne, you could be running Brom. Brahm is going to give you a little extra movement, the extra attack dice, and the extra bits to morale, as long as you control the wealth zone of the tactics board. Now, because we're running three non-combat characters, I'm actually fairly confident that we can claim that most of the time. It's just that it's really a preference thing here. In this case, I would rather have that stalwart on all the time. And the Knightly Vow is just going to make it so you can target a unit, and you know your opponent's going to at least going to get to try to avoid that unit of Sworn Shields with them. So you can play that to your advantage, because Starks do have a number of mobility cards. So even though these Sworn Shields are a little slow, they're still going to benefit from things like Swift Advance and all those things. Now, usually you'd want to save those cards for your trackers, but, you know, it helps in the situation. Now, one attachment that I really do... 
I really would have liked to have fit in here would be Mage Mormont because she's going to give you Stalwart, which is one of the things that we're after here. But she's also going to give you the Stubborn Resolve ability, which is anytime the unit, uh, it's in order, when the unit passes a uh, morale test, the enemy they're engaged with suffers D3 wounds. Now, a large part of this list is going to be bunkering guys into combat with your Tully Sworn Shields, and then having your Kranimkin trackers running up the flanks and shooting them, which is going to trigger a panic test in your own unit. If you have Mage attached to your guys, that's nothing but a benefit, because they're going to pass a test and just deal the opponent even more damage. I would love to stick her in there, but that's a three-point investment to put in there, which means I would have had to have taken out Sansa, and then I would have had two points left over. That changes the list around a bit, but let me give you a quick variant in case you want to do that. So if you wanted to do that, I would cut out Sansa, I would put Mage in the unit uh, where that Brienne is in. The two points that I'm saving from removing Brienne, I would run two uh, Kranigman Wardens in two of the Kranigman units to give me those extra rerolls. That's taking a little bit of emphasis out of the non-combat uh, tactics board control aspect of this list, but if you want a little bit more of an aggressive focused like combat uh, oriented, that's the change I would make. So in general, what we have here is the strategy for this list is not super complicated, okay? The Tully Sworn Shields are going to go and park on objectives. They're going to tank enemy units that you really don't want moving across the board or, you know, uh, being free to run where they want. They have enough defensive capabilities through their defensive roles, uh, their morale save, and then also their shield wall ability, where regardless of what type of damage is coming at them, they can probably mitigate it. Even if something has like sundering and is re reducing that save to a four plus, that's where shield wall comes into play. So your opponent's going to have to go into the flank and attack them and such like that. The thing is, is that you've got three units of Kranigman trackers that are going to be darting up and down the battlefield. If someone charges your sworn shields in the flank, that means you should be able to get some rear shots off with your Kranigman. And frankly, getting shot in the rear with, you know, upwards of eight dice at a minus two to your defense and a minus two to your morale, that's going to whittle down some units pretty quick. So that's your general theme strategy there. Now, as far as the non-combat characters, Howland, of course, we're running because he's our commander and gives us access to this whole thing. Sansa, we're running because she is cheap. We had three points. And she is going to allow you to pull out the clutch tactics card when you need it. Again, I really cannot stress how much I love running Sansa. And Caitlyn. Now, a lot of people have asking when I run this list, why I run Caitlyn instead of, like, Eddard or Roderick. Now, Caitlyn is here because I expect my Kranigman to, at some point, get damaged in the game. Uh, and the thing is, is they are fragile. You know, they've got terrible defensive saves. So when they get hit, they're going to get hit pretty hard. And while I do have the ability to start healing them back up with my three non-combat characters... You know, it's situational on if I want to claim that wealth zone or not. So Caitlyn allows me to just keep them in the fight longer without really having to worry about healing them. Because unless they get stuck in a prolonged combat, I don't really care if they're taking this little, like, chink damage from, like, uh, panic tests or things like that. Because as long as they're not just facing a continuous threat that's going to wipe them out fully, then, you know, okay, Caitlyn will keep them throwing those eight dice. So that's why she's there. Now, could you run Roderick? Yes, he would technically be helping the Sworn Shields again, giving them critical blow and more combat capabilities, because you don't want to put him on your Kranigman unit. Because if you do that, that means that you're they're in combat, and if they're in combat, they're going to get killed. I mean, melee is not where they want to be. Eddard is the other option, because he is going to further increase the survivability of your uh, Tully Sworn Shields. 
because every time they pass a morale save, he can heal them up a little bit. So really, between Caitlyn and Eddard, that's a toss-up on your playstyle. If you want to go the full defensive aspect with uh, Eddard, uh, then you know put him in there and try that out. For me, I just I prefer the safety net that Caitlyn kind of gives me. I will say that consistently, Eddard is probably going to get you more bang for your buck, because I will say if the Kranigmen ever get hit or engaged, they're probably going to get killed fairly quickly. So... Caitlyn is a little more insurance there, whereas Eddard is more insurance to your big expensive units staying alive. Again, that's going to come down to personal preference, so that's your choice there. Alternatively, you can also look to go full control on this and run like Varus in this list as well, which would make it more of a pain in the ass for your opponent, because now you've got the extra added Varus control in here. If you want to go the full just 110% control aspect, you can throw him in. Uh, Peter Baelish is not a bad option in here as well, but the thing is, is that you really don't care which specific tactic zones that you control outside of the standard ones for Starks of, you know, combat and mobility. But other than that, there's not really one that you just really want to bank on unless you're running Braum. If you're running Braum, then uh, yes, you actually would care about controlling the wealth zone and you can replace that out with some other options You when you're running Peter. Uh, just right now, the options that you have to run this list... Uh, sorry, almost got the spoiler territory there. There'll be options later that will uh, change your interactions and how you might want to run this list, but you know we'll update that in the future. So for right now, yeah, if you want to run the kind of more general all-purpose, I would say throw Caitlyn in there. If you want to run more on the defensive side, go Eddard. If you want to really push the control aspect of this and run just the control Stark list, stick Varus in there. But that's the general thoughts of this list right here. You're running high mobility. You have a very clear strategy. And that's actually the list's biggest weakness, is that if you sit this list across from someone, they kind of have a general idea of what you're going to do. You're going to run up there if you're telling Sworn Shield. You're going to lock guys down. You're going to shoot them down to Kranikman. I mean, that general game plan is probably not going to change. What is going to change the variety of this list is how you're going to use your non-combat units to create the best benefits, how you're going to use your tactics cards, because the thing is... You're running these Kranigman guys who are ranged combat unit and don't really want to see a lot of melee. And you're running these Tully Sworn Shields that want to get bunkered in and stay engaged. Meanwhile, a lot of your start cards are going to focus on you getting charges off. So that's kind of going to lull your opponent into a false sense of security because you're going to be moving around the board, shooting them with these trackers, and they're going to get this the mindset in there of like, oh, he's going to avoid combat wherever they can. And then... You're going to throw down a devastating impact or, you know, something like that and just charge right into this Kranigman and deal some damage. That's going to catch a lot of people off guard if they come in there assuming how that list is going to play. And that's actually one of the fun aspects of this list as well is because you have just a lot of surprises that you can play. Now, the thing is, you have to be really smart about it. You obviously don't want to take your Kranigman and just charge into a fresh unit. You want to harass them for a little bit, get them out of position. And when the timing is just right, really get in there, charge them and finish them off. And that's also an aspect of where Sansa comes into play to help you do that. So... You know, these are all things to consider. This list can be very cerebral, and it can actually be very challenging to play, uh, despite the fact it is only running technically two unit types. Because while your combat units don't have a lot of variety, their specific roles are important, but also very fluid, depending on how you are, how what your opponent is bringing, and how you are playing. And then your non-combat guys and your control of the tactics board is going to add that extra layer here. And frankly, if you've played just nothing but Starks since day one, 
this is really going to be a different play experience than what you're used to. If you've played Lannisters, this is going to be similar here. So if you're a Lannister player, but you really like that play style and you want to try maybe the Stark army, or maybe you're just a fan of like those characters, try out this list because I think that transition is really going to be a lot easier than if you're going from say pure stark aggression to this list if you've been playing like a lannister list and you're moving over to starks i think that's going to be just kind of a an easier thing to get into your headspace if you're a stark player and you want to kind of get a taste for how the lannisters feel this is also a list to help cross over in that so it's a lot of fun and this is actually probably my favorite stark list if you're just running pure starks to play because again i believe that this playstyle just matches my overall you know likes that i bring to the table so there you guys go that's been the list for this week, and join me next time, and we will talk about something entirely different. This has been Song Chat Michael Schnall, again brought to you by those delicious Totino's Pizza Rolls and Carl's Jr.